OK. OK. We got some sound. We got some sound. OK, let's uh, bring things back together. Let's come back together. Well, we've nearly done it. We are so nearly there. Of course, I could be talking about a number of different things, couldn't I? Christmas. Maybe that's what he's talking about. No, I'm not. I'm talking about nearly at the end of 1 Thessalonians. After nearly six months of progressively working our way through the book of 1 Thessalonians, we've just got four verses left. Oh, can you believe it? We're just down to the last four verses, the final hurdle. We're so nearly there. And yet... <laughs> There is a book called Two Thessalonians, which we'll come back to another day. <laughs> this morning, um, if, those, if you uh, read your newsletter from Dave, you will have come prepared, hopefully. But if you haven't, I just want to explain that we're going to do something slightly different this morning. Because uh, I think it's very easy in our world in which we live in just to rush from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And uh, so today... Rather than uh, using the whole of our time to look at these verses, and we will briefly look at these final four verses, what I'd actually like to do is to create an opportunity for us to reflect on what we've learnt over this time of looking at 1 Thessalonians and to actually share what we've learnt. Now, some of us at this moment in time are feeling what could only be described as panic. That deep sense of, you've got to be joking. I'm not going to share anything. And that's fine. You don't need to panic. If you aren't, that's absolutely fine. We'll get you later. Um, No, that's not what I was meant to say, was it? Um, But for some of us, we'd have found over the period that we've been looking at this book of 1 Thessalonians that... Perhaps a particular preach or a particular verse is particularly stirred in our hearts where you go, oh, actually that's really captured something in my spirit where it's changed how I'm living my life now. And that's good. That's what the word of God is meant to do. It's meant to bring knowledge and knowledge as it's applied into our lives takes us on in our journey with Jesus. It matures us as Christians. It helps us to live the life of faith that we're on. It empowers us. It, it, it inspires us. It captures something. And where we go, oh yeah, I want to I live differently because of this. And so this morning, I'm going to share in just a couple of minutes uh, from 1 Thessalonians 5, 25, 26 and 27. And then I'm going to throw it open for contributions. And uh, I know sometimes it can feel intimidating having to come to the front. So to try and make it even easier, I'm going to come to you with a microphone if you've got something you'd like to share that you've learned from our journey in 1 Thessalonians. Let's just remind ourselves, though, what this book's all about. It was written by Paul to a bunch of new believers, a group of people who had relatively recently come to faith through Paul's ministry. Paul was in this crucial Greek city of Thess- Thessalonica, and, uh, but he was forced to leave the city very, very early on 
in the life of the church. Incredibly short period of time he'd been with the church in Thessalonica. And uh, uh, because he'd had to go, he decided he was going to write. And he wanted to lay out a framework for really the Christian life. He wanted to try and help this young church on here are some key things you need to be aware of, things to think about, things to grow in, things to learn about God, key doctrine to understand about how we live a holy life, uh, a whole load of other subjects. He covers things like idolatry, sexual immorality, how to live to please God, holiness, persecution and hardship, how to live by the Spirit, how do we handle prophecy, and just so many other sermons we've had. And his purpose is very simple. His purpose is to help us, help the Thessalonians, but uh, to help us too in how we live the Christian life. I wonder what you've learned. I wonder what you've managed to put into practice in your life. Maybe you're thinking at this point in time, hmm, I wonder what I've learned. I wonder what I've managed to put into practice. Well... It's always useful, even if at this point we've got to this point and you're thinking, hmm, even just to pause now and think, God, what were you saying to me? What are you saying to me? What what have I learnt from this book which I can put into practice? See, reflection is an important thing for us to be able to do. Self-reflection. What am I learning? What am I going to do with what I've heard? How am I going to apply this? How is it going to shape my life? Those sort of questions are really helpful questions to ask ourselves. So I'll read these last few verses, make a couple of very brief points, and then it's down to all of us. Brothers, pray for us. Sorry, this is 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 25. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss, verse 26, that was. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It's very simple commands. Pray for us. Saying, please pray for us. He's, He's urging the church in Thessalonica to pray for Paul. I just want to say this, church, let's be a church which prays. Let's be a church which prays for those who serve our church, for Guy and the team who serve this church. Let's be a church who pray for uh, each other, one another. Let's be a church who pray for those who, uh, please pray for us as leaders of the church, for the elders. But ultimately, let's be a church which just pray. That's why we do these half nights, as we call them, or half evenings, as Mark renamed it, of prayer. We want to gather particularly to pray at particular points, but actually we want prayer to happen throughout the life of our church. Prayer is the engine room of who we are. It's not some formal thing we have to do. It's talking with Jesus. That's all prayer is. It's talking with with our Father God in heaven. Let's be a church which pray brings everything to God in prayer. Does that make that be a hallmark of our lives individually and corporately? Second thing I want to say is this. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Ooh. What do we make of that? 
do we make of that? What's it mean? Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Does it literally mean, oh, come on, Bob. Give me a... <laughs> Spurned. God, I don't know. <laughs> Does it mean that? What's it mean? Well, it's about how we see one another. It's about having that attitude of, hey, I want to honour and express love and affirmation to those people who are part of this church. It's, it's, it's saying, hey, it's encouraging us, love one another, express your love for one another. It's when you gather, find different ways to express love for one another. It's, it's, it's talking about being body. It's church body. It's how we outwork being church together. Now, you can give one another a holy kiss if you want to. Whatever a holy kiss quite looks like. I'm not quite sure what makes a kiss holy. I assume it just means a non-sexual kiss in that sense. It's a way of greeting because that was a form of greeting in those days. Give one another a kiss. It's a, it's a holy kiss. It's a, it's a greeting. In our culture, as Bob just demonstrated, it doesn't always go down quite right. For some of us, it's fine. That's fine if it works for you. But let's greet one another well. Let's honour one another well. Let's love one another well. And let's express our heart commitment for one another to one another. Genuinely caring for and loving and expressing that love for one another. That's the essence of what he's getting at here. Now, uh, verse uh, 27, I charge you, have this letter read out. It always basically says, just make sure everybody's got hold of this truth. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to talk about how we've got hold of this truth together. So, I have asked a couple of people to, uh, in advance to share because I think it's always useful just to get the first one or two helps us to get in gear but you may just want to think what have I learnt? What can I encourage my brothers and sisters with? What can I encourage the church family of what I have learnt from this that I have managed to put into practice? What can I share which will encourage others? And so Glenda would you like to come and well you don't need to come so I'm going to come to you but would you like to share what you've learned? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I think I responded to Andrew's request that I had some disjointed thoughts and I'd try and put them together, so here goes. Um, I have spent a bit of time going back over the Thessalonians. I have to say, in our life group, we have studied it quite hard. We usually start the evening actually trying to remember what we've heard the previous Sunday, so it's... Um, it's gone well but I think we have learned a lot so for me personally I'm just going to read a bit out that's in um, the notes in my bible it says Paul challenged the Thessalonians to live at all times in humble anticipation of Christ's coming to live each day as if it were our last Um, if we follow these many instructions as we can with God's help we will be well on our way Andrew started off this series I think it was Andrew at some point saying about running out of time. Now for me, 
having been a Christian for 30 odd years in this church, it kind of feels like I might be running out of time. I'm definitely older than I was when I started. Um, that causes me a lot of thinking time and wondering where I'm at and often feeling that I haven't made very good progress. But we are called to minister to others and to each other in relationships and friendships. Um, and that's something I've not always done well. I do have a problem with cynicism, so I know that's come out of this series, and I know I still need to work very hard on it. But, by grace, hold on to the truth and walk with the Spirit, and hopefully I will complete the journey. Wonderful. Well done. Well done. That's brilliant, Glenda. Thank you. That's really honest. Well done, and being frank about where you know, challenge with cynicism. That's brilliant. Right, and I've got somebody else I can ask, but anybody want to share what you've been learning? Put your hand up, we'll get this microphone round to you. Oh, look at this. Okay, we've got a number. I'm going to go nearest and work my way across. Thank you. Um, uh, forgive me, I shared this in one of the uh, evening communions, but I'm conscious everyone can't make that. Something that really struck me out of this was uh, the way that God works things together. So it's not a particular verse from Thessalonians. It's actually what was happening. If you remember, it, put, it didn't go to Paul's plan. It's in Acts 16 and 17. Paul wanted to stay but couldn't. He was thrown out and then he was, thrown, and then he was chased out and he ended up way down in the south in, in Athens. He pretty much did the whole of Greece. And the thing that really struck me was that if he hadn't, if he'd been able to spend time, he wouldn't have written the letter. And he wouldn't have, go, have carried on writing, effectively, a large chunk of the New Testament. God knew that he needed Paul to write these things down and send them. And that's why it says in verse 27, I solemnly charge you to have this letter read, because they didn't have the New Testament. It hadn't been written. Thessalonians is probably the first book that was written of the New Testament. And God knew what he was doing. God took him down so that he would write these things and we would still have them. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, It was Sean, wasn't it? Um, A bit like Glenda, I had to think about it. And um, the things that came for me and I'll share a little bit in how it's worked, is um, not doing things in your own strength. And then also, and this isn't just because it was my mum preaching, but about being joyful is a choice. And I tell people at work this, they come in and they whinge, because police officers do that anyway. And I say, you have a choice. And when I come into work, my, tr- my journey from home to work, I work in Woking, is a decision that I make to think about work and to go in morning, everybody. It doesn't matter what time of day it is, I always say that. And everyone smiles. And so, for me, that's sharing the love of God, but in a really practical way, because then everyone smiles. The doing things in my own strength, I was thinking back about what's happened over the year. Um, So, mum had to have an operation on her thyroid um, that went well. My father-in-law was diagnosed with cancer on his tongue and had to have an operation. My sister-in-law had pancreatitis, and it's only after she recovered really well that people tell me people die of that, and I didn't know that. Um, And then more recently, a friend at work who's younger than me was diagnosed with cancer of the bladder. And my life group know about this. And all through that, 
even though it's only looking back and I think actually I just carried on but it wasn't just me was it it was God it was my friends in the church it was the prayer and the thing and I shared with Andrew today my friend Johnny who had an operation to remove the tumor on the 22nd of November he got the results last week the tumor's gone no further treatment needed which was a real answer to prayer so for me it's about not doing it in my own strength and choosing to be thankful Hey, um, Esther, where is Esther? I can't see her. Hey, there you are. Well, like Glenda, I've had a bit of time to prepare, but um, <clears throat> the thing that struck me most about working through 1 Thessalonians is that as believers, we are all a part of God's family. And as in any family, we face good times when all is going well and all is harmonious. But we can also also experience times that are really tough when things go wrong and there is tension, sickness and attacks on our faith. And I think, listening, we've all had different times when that's happened to us during this year. But Paul encourages us to love one another no matter what. And that's... God's love and grace can help us to conquer all of our temptations and disappointments. The sermon that really struck me, sorry, Andrew, but it was Anthony's courtroom portrayal of of God as our judge. And that was a very moving one for me. And I really felt, you know, a pin would drop in this room when Anthony was speaking um, about God as our judge. And it, it was something that reminded me just how much God loves us and showers us with his grace through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. It was very powerful, and we listened to it again in our life group. And it was just worth listening to. So if you, if you can, get it and listen to it on, on the website. And I'm just forever grateful to God for his grace. Well done, Esther. And I'm thrilled it was Anthony's preach which spoke to you most. That's not a problem. Nothing to apologize for there. Right, who else we got? What are the themes which have particularly caught us up? Ah, oh, look at that. Suddenly a flurry of hands. I'm going to go behind you first of all. Okay, I'll be brave. It was the one on idolatry that really struck me. Um, just, um, I read, wrote lots of notes and I couldn't look at it for a week because it struck me that hard. And I found myself needing to spend time examining my life and asking God where my idols were. And I knew... Yeah, I was very convicted. Um, but one of the things God spoke to me, has been speaking to me probably since West Point about it, is about the Bible. And on the last evening, one of the things Guy Miller said was, if you don't do anything else, go home and read your Bible. And now one of my things I love is books. I wouldn't say they were particularly an idol, but I love books. I can get distracted for hours in a book. And I thought, well, do I actually get distracted in God's word? And I thought, well, 
probably not very often. So that's what God has spoken to me about and impacted my life and, you know, given me a really renewed love for reading his word. Wonderful. Well done, Sarah. Thank you. Um, it's it's a marvellous book, um, and the theme of love comes through it, doesn't it? Wherever you look, there's a the theme of love uh, throughout. And I was struck by um, chapter 5 and verse 9, in that God never gives up. You know, he's not appointed us for wrath. His plan isn't to set us up to punish us. He's set us up to bless us. Um, and, you know, his son, in a sense, was set up for wrath for punishment, for our sakes. And uh, it just says here, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. He appointed his son to suffer wrath. Um, But for us to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I just think it's great if we can get that in our hearts that at no point in our lives is God wanting to punish us, is for us to, to suffer wrath. He might discipline us, he might chastise us, but his goal, his ultimate goal, for me and for you, no matter what happens, is to receive salvation. And his will also, that was another thing that came out in one of our groups, um, his will uh, in verse 16, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. So let's receive that salvation. Let's know that we're appointed for blessing, uh, to rejoice, to pray to be his people who are always thankful. Wonderful. Thank you, Olaf. Fiona. Um, I was looking through actually all the sermons this morning and thinking what a great series it's been for everybody. But um, there's been a couple of things that have really um, touched my life. Um, One of one of the ones that really spoke to me was actually the one on death um, that John and Nikki Spiegel um, did a few weeks ago. Um, I used to have a really big fear of death, um, which I did actually kind of deal with a few years ago. But it's all, it really challenged me that um, although I didn't fear it any longer, I wasn't exactly happy about it or, you know, um, looking forward to being in heaven and, you know, all these kind of things and, and seeing an inter- eternal perspective on life. Um, and so that, that really challenged my kind of mindset on, on death. Um, in the last few weeks, um, my mum has been um, be having various tests for cancer. And in that time, when we were really uncertain about it, um, you know, we were able to talk about our hope in, in God and that God had actually been preparing both of us, that, you know, we no longer had this fear of death that we had previously had and how God had been kind of preparing our kind of hearts to prepare for whatever news it might have been. Um, and then also the, the talk that Christine did on um, praying in all circumstances and, and being thankful in all circumstances and being joyful always, that has been another real challenge in this last couple of weeks. Um, and it got to the day when my mum was having her first appointment and... Um, you know, we were both quite joyful, and I thought, what is wrong with me? <laughs> you know, like, why am I, you know, my mum's going to an appointment to find out whether she's got cancer or not, and I'm kind of, you know, I'm so p- at peace about it, and so was she, and we, we really had, knew the prayers of all our friends. Um, 
that appointment, she got diagnosed with lung cancer, but was told that it was just a small part and she could have it cut out and it would, you know, that was all the treatment that was needed, which was amazing. Um, but in the, um, in the test to find the lung cancer, she had a whole abdominal scan. So while they were testing for that, they found that she had an um, abnormality in her stomach as well. So that was um, another kind of worry, you know, that she could have a second cancer, that, and we didn't know whether they were connected, what, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, so she had her latest appointment on Wednesday. Um, it is a malignant lymphoma in her stomach, so she has two... She's just been diagnosed the last two weeks with two different types of cancer. Um, not connected, which is a good thing. Um, but we have known the peace of God, and we have been able to be joyful in all circumstances, and um, we have had a lot to be thankful for. We have known the thoughts and our prayers of all our friends. Um, the cancer in her stomach is curable. Um, it's just going to be a bit of a long challenging year for her um but it's just yeah it's been a real um what's the word <laughs> like a, a challenge to to put those things into practice you know we say these things quite often these verses in the bible about being prayer prayerful and in all circumstances being thankful and joyful always but it's only when things like can go quite wrong that that really gets tested and are, can we put that into practice and um you know i just want to testify that god can be with you in all circumstances and give you joy and you can have a well soul when everything's falling apart around you well done. This, this theme of being joyful in every circumstance is so important to us so i'm walking down here because I think I have learned how much you think you have messed up. He still loves me and when I first came here we sing. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. And I just hang on to that. Wonderful. Fantastic. Well done. That's brilliant. Brilliant. No matter how much we mess up, we can hang on. His love never fails, never gives up on us. He never gives up on us. Powerful message. Okay, anyone else? Ooh. Sarah. Hi, I think that uh, links to this. Um, Anthony last week um, actually brought a verse that isn't from Thessalonians, it's from Philippians. Um, and it's Philippians um, verse 6. Um, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Um, and I think that's something to really hold on to, that sometimes we can come and we can sing a song or we're saved or, um, you know, we've been a Christian for a long time and, and something throws a, a spanner in the works like illness or um, death or that you're struggling or you feel that you've, you've lost sight of God. But he, he doesn't start something that he's not going to complete and he's with us all the time and he's just waiting to help us and encourage us and keep us on that path with him. Um, and that it's not just, just being saved. Um, I think, you know, that's what Anthony was saying. It's all through sanctification and grace and mercy and love 
that we're going, you know, we're on a path and we're carrying on um, and just to hold on to the fact that God doesn't start something that he's not going to finish. Wonderful. Thank you, Sarah. I think we've got time for one more because one more contribution. Andy, I think, is John going to help you with that in a moment? Is that the plan? I'm going to go and see Josh. What's the... Sorry? Oh, sorry, okay. Uh, Morning, everyone. Um, This is a bit more of a seasonal comment, actually. Just I felt maybe uh, our father asked me to say it. Um, I'm Graham. I'm an eye man. So I I work on people's eyes quite a lot. And um, every day I see a mixed range of ages from six months to 103. I think is my span so far. So I love the six months ones, really, and the 103. But I love it when kids come in and collect the glasses, particularly, because the only way it works is when I get down to their level. So if I'm standing up here trying to adjust someone's glasses, it doesn't work. It's so much better if I get down to their level. And you know what? I love doing that. I really love doing it. So I had a little Downs boy yesterday, and uh, we spent most of the time pulling faces at each other, really. I sort of adjusted his glasses, but we, we were doing the bunny competition, I think. Um, that's how it works best, isn't it? If we get down to someone's level, and seasonally, what happened here? You know, Jesus knew he had to come down to our level, We're not looking up to God and wondering, help us somehow. He came down to us, entered into our experience where we're at. He's knocking on the door. He wants to come into your house. He wants to be right where you're at. That's great news, isn't it? I'm sorry to those uh, who would also like to contribute, haven't been able to. Actually, I think just with time, but also I want to pick up on Graham's comment. I feel it's right just to uh, come back to this final verse at this point that we have. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I mean, it's such a powerful statement. Just such a powerful statement. And... uh, Really, what we've been talking about this morning are signs of God's grace. Of God working in our lives, not because we deserve it. We know we don't. We deserve, actually, eternal separation from him. For he's holy and we're not. Until Christ makes us holy. By his death on the cross. Having been the perfect, spotless sacrifice for all of mankind's sin. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That's my prayer for each one of us. Whether you yet know what and understand what the grace of God looks like, whether you're whether you perhaps only recently found out about it, like some of those folks who shared last week here at their baptism and shared part of their journey, their story of faith. 
whether you've been somebody like Glenda who, uh, I don't know how long you've been a Christian, but talked about being part of this church for over 30 years and you've been pursuing that journey of grace for many years, we all need the grace of God. All, without exception, need the grace of God. We need fresh grace for each day. We can't just try and run an old grace. The great news is, Christ came down to our level to demonstrate the grace of God, to bring the grace of God, to enable us each and every one of us, each and every one of us, to know God's loving mercy, to know his care, to come into a relationship with him. How wonderful, how wonderful that is. So my prayer as we finish this uh, this evening, this morning, it's getting dark, is may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and you and each and every one of us. That we don't have to perform for God, but we live out of relationship of grace. God's lavish love over each of us. Yeah? So, I, in some of our churches years and years ago, and I don't know whether this was part of the history of this church, we used to say things like the grace. Yeah? Some, some people know what I'm talking about. Some people may not. It goes something like this, and to be honest, it's not part of my tradition, so I may get it wrong, but I think it used to go something like this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ... Oh man. Now, this time, having, to, having, I feel overtaken by that. <laughs> what I'd like to encourage us to do is stand because at the moment you're all looking at me and I felt very blessed by that. But it would be much better to make eye contact with a number of people. And we're going to say it again. And this time, pray it as a prayer for those people you're looking at. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the love of... We are going to conclude uh, at this point. Thank you for being out together. Thank you for journeying together with us through 1 Thessalonians. Let's continue to encourage one another, inspire one another. Look forward to seeing you this evening. It's not too late to grab an invite and invite a friend to this evening's uh, celebration together. Seven, the doors will be opening. 7.30 is our actual start time though. And uh, we're going to be just 45 minutes to an hour maximum, something of that sort of order, celebrating the good news of Jesus come to earth.